time of Reagan and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, who can tell you of his legend. This is his saga. Podcast de la Vista, baby. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say, Casey, but... Well, ep- episode three. Episode we're, three. We're, we're still keeping the enthusiasm up, even for the things that it's the hardest to muster enthusiasm for, that, I think. That was like a dentist appointment. <laughs> I've got to say that, uh, oh my God. I think we have no real choice but to just dive right into this thing. Absolutely. Uh, we watched Hercules in New York. <laughs> this is the... 1969, 1970. There's a little bit of confusion I, on that point. I think it was it was obviously produced in the Summer of Love and then released in 1970. And I think in the year that it was released, the film company went bankrupt. <laughs> According to my documentation here, it was released in New York in, on December 16th, 1969. And, oh, wow. Uh, national release, February 25th, 1970. So you're, everybody wins. Yay! Unless you're watching this movie. <laughs> and nobody <laughs> so, wins. Yes, Hercules in New York. 1969 slash 1970, yeah. directed by Arthur Allen Seidelman, and you've already heard our guest, Mr. Sam Mulvey from the Ask an Atheist radio show. Oh, Hi. Sam. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> Sam, I, I always, you can, you, Mike, you always bring me in for the best stuff. You I know. know. <laughs> I've been thinking over and over again, you know, Casey, every time we have Sam over... We always have this discussion about what is the worst thing we have made him watch for a podcast. <laughs> Normally, it's just been a string of Zack Snyder movies, but, yeah, now, but yeah. now we're going in a different I direction. I know way more about the Zack Snyder. The winner and new champion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we may have hit a new peak. So from now on, I can say that anything we make you watch, we'll always have this to hold up against. Okay. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to think about this as we as we discuss it, because... Well, no, that's no. It, it could it could go either way. I think I might return to this discussion as we go on as to whether or not this is better or worse than the three-hour cut of the Watchmen. <laughs> um, Let's dig into that. So, Sam, before we get into this train wreck, this root canal of a movie, yeah, um, can you give us a quick idea of what your history is with the movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger and whether you're a fan of this guy's work? That's a that's a very interesting question. Uh, some of my favorite. I, I mean, he's. I was a kid in the 1980s and the 1990s. He was ever present uh, on any uh, on any action movie worth watching. It was always he was going to be involved somehow. Um, and as I may have mentioned before, my 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 dad loves movies and would. I mean, we were early adopters of HBO. Our first cable box had a cord to the remote, uh, <laughs> and um, and so I got to see a lot of these movies. Uh, he just, he was a guy, he was the guy with muscles, he was the guy with muscles who could punch through someone's face. Um, what, am I a fan? Uh, he was never an actor whose movies I would seek out. Uh, but whenever it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you knew what you were getting in. And it was always, if you were in the right mood for it, you, you, for me, it was either it was the perfect thing to watch. It's like, I'm, I want to watch him beat somebody with an arm and, and make a quip. Mm-hmm. Uh, or yeah, I just really wasn't in the mood for that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know about, I don't know why I was always in the mood for a Schwarzenegger <laughs> movie. Yeah. <laughs> just a different, different, different upbringing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we had a strange concept of, of what, what to do with violent things in my house, I think, which was, uh, it was never a hard and fast rule. It was like, I wasn't allowed to have toy guns, but man, I could watch Commando all day. That was <laughs> yeah. fine. Um, so if I wanted really violent things with guns in it, and basically I had to turn to, to uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger, or Governor Schwarzenegger now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, we give him a new title soon. <laughs> he's got he's to gotta move up from there. Yeah. Probably Commandant Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so Galactic Overlord Schwarzenegger. God Emperor Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I think my favorite uh 
my favorite movie he ever did was Total Recall, which I think was a movie that worked with even if he wasn't in it. And then hmm. so it was like a great movie. And then, oh, by the way, it's also got this crap in it. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I kind of love when it's a mix of a really smart, dumb movie and a really dumb, smart movie. Yes. Where you don't really know where that line is, but it rides both and it kind of makes both halves of your brain happy. Mm-hmm. But speaking of a movie that doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, we're still uh, dancing around the issue of getting into it oh, here. Oh, God. It's, it is. It's, it's kind of like you're just kind of walking downhill and you feel the pull of it, but you're like, I got to fight this. So, Sam, one thing we always ask our guests to do is to synopsize this movie in like a paragraph or so. So, what is Hercules in New York about? It's a movie by implication. Uh, everything that happens in that movie is implied, but there's a, there's a couple of uh, there, there's a couple of things that you need to know. It is it is a bilingual film, and no, I'm I now I've I've watched both versions. Now I've watched the version which where uh, uh, Arnold is dubbed and the version where Arnold is not dubbed, and I understand him fine because I'm so familiar with his accent at this point in my life that I have no problem understanding him. However, to watch this movie that is so New York, it's uh, oozing pizza grease. <laughs> I needed Becky to actually translate some of the things that the other actors were saying into English so I could understand what was going on. Not Arnold, not Arnold's insurance salesman dub guy. Everybody else in that movie, it's like uh, like Pretzi, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get to that. Okay, so that's the thing you need to know is. If you're not from the East Coast, you're not going to understand about 40% of what's said in this movie, and it's not Arnold. That's not the problem. <laughs> That's the um, first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it starts in um, – it starts – Okay, so this is a nineteen. This is a nineteen late sixties, early seventies New York movie. So it's got sort of that gritty uh, New York thing going on, including the scenes that happen apparently on Mount Olymp- Olympus, which is clearly in Central Park. So Zeus is hanging out, chilling with his family and assorted goats. Well, no, his family um, in Mount in on Mount Olympus in Central Park, and uh, Arnold is like, I'm bored. I want to get out of here. Her- Hercules, okay. I'm bored. I want to get out of here. And manages to trick his dad into throwing rebar at him. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is It is a lightning bolt made out of rebar is yeah. what it is. <laughs> yes. That's what he means. It's like and, a weather vane. <laughs> and I have a feeling that this is, this is well, I'll get to that in a minute. I, I need to describe this movie. And it's a very difficult thing to do because nothing happens in this movie. Uh, he falls to earth with the, one of the best scenes ever where he's, you know, waving at the old ladies inside of the plane. He falls to earth. He runs into merchant marines who assume he's a sailor. Uh, oddly socially progressive merchant marines, yeah. strangely enough. They're like, well, Hercules is doing the I, I do not understand your human culture thing. And they're like, oh, well, uh, foreign language, head full of water. Yeah, give him some clothes. and Make him a member of the crew. Yeah, then he gets <laughs> into... Uh, he gets into a fight with the crew, and then and then the captain's like, "What the hell's going on?" And and the, and the XO goes down and says, "Why are you fighting with this guy?" Well, you didn't do wouldn't do any work. He's like, "Do you realize he speaks a foreign language? Do you not understand that this is not you know he might not understand what you're saying?" Like, this is an oddly progressive merchant marine. This is this is very strange. Uh, the sailors are just used to interacting with the rest of the world. They know what to expect and what not to expect. And then fight scene. Heavy quotes oh, uh, God, happens yeah. uh, with with the fist, uh, where you just there's like literally like a five minute section with uh, Arnold's fist is just in the shot as the center of the <laughs> focus, and then a John Candy lookalike giving up. <laughs> uh, that's the high point of that scene. Then then he stops a forklift by holding on to like Superman style, holding on to it for no reason that that works. Uh, that makes sense to me. Meanwhile, he's being chased after this guy who is the heart and soul of this movie, and that is Pretzi, uh, played by oh, Arnold Stang. Pretzi. Yeah. Um, and and you figure out why he's called Pretzi fairly early on, because he's got a bucket full of, well, basket, I suppose. He, he's a dockside pretzel salesman. <laughs> dockside. <laughs> <laughs> that screams healthy. <laughs> yeah, I'd totally eat that. Yeah, uh, food of the gods, as it were. Um and then he runs, then they go to Central Park, car gets tipped over, which I'm pretty sure wasn't in effect. I think he just picked up the car and pushed it over. Right? <laughs> I believe it. This is a 22-year-old Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was totally built at this point. Um, and uh, he meets 
now here's the thing, okay? It starts with this Greek music that do 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 do, and you think, okay, it's going to start this way when no. it's all this Greek stuff, the, and, and then it's going to transition. And balalaika music is the, yeah, absurd. the balalaika music, and you think it's going to transition to like more American style music as he goes to New York. No, it's balalaika shit the entire way through. <laughs> oh, it's like you're at an Olive Garden, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you meet Helen, uh, Helen's dad, uh, who has a name, Professor Camden. Professor Camden. Yes. Uh, and uh, he's the guy that's surprisingly cool about all of the gentlemen trying to uh, to rob the virginity of his daughter. He's like, oh, sure. Well, beat all these. There's things. a thing there. There's a thing there. Uh, um, uh, and then uh, Hercules does the Hercules thing, mm-hmm. and he apparently becomes a wrestler. It's implied that he becomes a wrestler. <laughs> you never actually see him wrestle. Uh and then the mob gets involved because it's New York in the 70s or in 1970 or 1969. Um, and then there's a Mr. World competition in the middle of it. And then he goes back to he, he goes back to uh, Olympus and says, whoops. And then and then in the very last scene, you get this thing with Pretzi where he's like, oh, my God, what happened? I'm so morose that that uh, that that Hercules left. And, it was, and that's the moment I realize Oh, I'm watching a romantic comedy. <laughs> now everything oh. makes sense. Uh, that's maybe the only thing that makes sense, right? Yeah, uh, I, am I? It feels like I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff. But I said this is a movie by implication. It is highly suggested that Hercules is an effective professional wrestler. <laughs> no professional wrestling occurs in this film. Uh, that's just point of the whole thing is I think that this is a this is a special effects movie that is missing all of its special effects. Yeah, yeah. And you also notice I picked the 18 hour. I missed the 18 hour date scene between Helen and, and Hercules and I missed it because so did the movie yeah <laughs> uh, they never went anywhere with it and it's clear you know three-fourths of the way at the movie that this apparent love triangle between uh loafy guy uh other college you know collegiate athlete Hercules and Helen uh okay well Hercules lost because mm-hmm. the, clearly they're back together and everybody loves Hercules and ha 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 isn't he great even though they broke a couple of my ribs or rather, no, that I had four of my ribs taped. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's implied that he broke his ribs. Everything in this movie is implied. Well, that's because it's so incredibly cheap. <laughs> yes. Everything about is. this movie is cheap. Yeah. Um, that there is nothing about this movie in the way that it's acted, in the way that it's shot, in the way that we do stunts. To the degree that we do stunts <laughs> right. at all. Yes. Uh, the fight choreography, uh, the sound quality, the sound mix, everything about this just screams, I don't know how to make a movie. That was The, the fight choreography was amazing because there isn't any. And this is, this is an Arnold Schwarzenegger in transition from uh, uh, muscle building champ to actor. And he doesn't know how to physically act yet. And that... That was actually shocking. It's like, yeah. wow, he's totally failing at making this make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, there's the uh, there's the stereotype sort of is that Arnold is the is the big hulking guy who's there because he looks huge and doesn't know how to act. No, the difference. In, I was just thinking about the difference between um, Arnold's acting ability in the last movie we did, Kindergarten Cop, and this one is night and day. It's like the difference between a dinner party with ISIS and you know, I don't know. Santa Fe, New Mexico. You know, like the, the difference. <laughs> the difference is so so stark because he is. It's an, he's an, a complete amateur, and it's only saved by the fact that there are actually some decent actors who carry certain parts of it. Like the actor who plays Zeus is a like a. He's like a soap opera actor, I think. Yeah. I think there's a lot of soap opera actors in this movie. Yeah. I, it really gets the sense of, especially the Mount Olympus stuff, like weird community dinner theater yeah. <laughs> where there's a sense of, you know, I'm going to act the hell out of this because I got to fucking eat. Uh, <laughs> Arnold Stang. Yes. Uh, who plays Pretzi. Yeah, who plays Pretzi. Yeah. He acts the fuck out of this movie. Oh, yeah. He does. He does a really good job. And there's was, was one scene in particular, which I think we'll probably get to. But he's he's like the Danny DeVito in Twins. You know, he's the yes! he's the he's the short, goofy co- comedy guy to play off of uh, Arnold's big dumb oaf out of you know fish out of water oaf. Yeah, his job is to go what <laughs> every time he does some sort of hideous feat of strength. Oh, he's the and fucking king of the reaction shot. That's his he's, whole job. He's just reacting constantly. Like, whoa! And if you watch this movie, you'll be asking yourself constantly, where the fuck do I know this guy? I know that voice. And the thing is, he is a character actor with a long career. Yeah. But I realized what I knew him from. Hmm. In the 1980s, he was the voice of the Honey Nut Cheerios Bee. 
Oh my God! <laughs> you you do. Oh yeah. my God! Wow, that recontextualizes the pretzels there. <laughs> it it is, yeah. and it was crazy because um, I think what kept him sort of alive in my mind, Arnold Stang, was that uh, during the <laughs> 1980s, at some point, they changed the voice of the bee in those commercials. But the Christmas ad they kept using every year because it would only play for a month, and it was the one where the Honey Nut Cheerios bee gets a bowl of cereal for Ebenezer Scrooge, Mm -hmm. and it still had that old voice. And it was one of the first instances of my life of knowing the difference between a voice actor and going, no, that one of the Christmas commercial is the real bee. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where I think of with this guy, and I know I've seen him in at least a thousand other things. I mean, he's the the quintessential that guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's kind of carrying this entire movie because aside from Arnold's physique, he's the only thing about it that seems to make it interesting. Yeah. See, you've got this movie that implies that it's in the same vein as the Sword and Sandals movies made in Italy uh, in the 60s, where it it, it implies that it's that because you got gods and stuff like that. Uh, You have... Uh, thematic music, and you've got uh, you've got a, a muscular lead who's being dubbed by an insurance salesman. This is yes. totally this is totally sword and sandal. Yeah. Um. Except it 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 abandons that immediately. Right. Um. Well, here's the thing: is uh, Hercules is usually, and you know, I was looking it up, and there are so many. Hercules versus the something type movies. Yeah. Hercules is a is not a character that's copywritten, right? You can make his character in anything you want to. Um, there's so many of them where uh, it's just your B action movie, drive in action movie sort of fodder. And this one is not an action movie at all. In fact, it's an anti action movie because of these things that we talked about. There are no stuntmen in this movie. No. When we talk about fight choreography, again, I'm going to throw those uh, scare quotes there. It's because uh, if the three of us wanted to do a fight scene right now and film it, <laughs> it would look like Hercules in New York because right. we don't know how to fall in that way. We don't know. We'd be afraid of hurting ourselves and each other. Yeah. So you get into these like shoving matches. You're like, Ugh! And you're like oh, I fall down, but it's falling in a way where you don't want to break your hip. <laughs> and it's the same thing. Like I used to say for many years that Star Trek V had the worst fight choreography I'd ever seen. <laughs> but that was <laughs> fucking Enter the Dragon. Which one was Com- five? That's the one with, you know, they go and Meet spot, God. they yell at God, yeah. and oh, God zaps yeah, them. yeah, Star Trek versus God. Yeah, yeah. so, it, the shitty one. Yeah. <laughs> the sh- no, actually, the until Nemesis, one. I'd say the second shittiest one. Okay. No. Right. Yeah, That's Nemesis is worse. Yeah. But this one is just so weird because you have a character who's built on impressive feats of strength and being able to beat the shit out of people. But you have a cast that can't pull off either uh, fighting with him in a way that makes him look really strong or uh, special effects that can actually pull off him being really strong and powerful. See, right. I, this is this has one of the hallmarks of a bad film that I love in that it's uh, not totally bad. There's no. moments where the movie kind of redeems. It's like, no, there's there's it's not totally incompetent through the whole way. Uh, there, there's times where it just falls apart. Like any time that there's a fight scene not involving a wooden plank, it just yes. falls apart. <laughs> the wooden plank scene works because it's it's obviously comedic. He's yeah. beating a guy up, and there's a guy who who gets hit in the face and then falls down where the board doesn't move at all. Where yeah. he just like I don't want to be in the scene anymore. Oh my face! Oh my face! It's Bella Lugosi fighting the octopus. It is Bella yes. Lugosi fighting the octopus. Yeah. And then you've got the scene where uh, 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 Pretzi takes the money from the mobster. And the mobster's already left, and you get this movie where he gets up, he picks up the money, and he puts it down, and and not overacting, not over, just wipes his hand on his shirt like this is yeah. clearly dirty money. And I'm like, wow, that that's well done. And then he gets up and picks up the 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 fifth and shakes it all yeah. over the place poor, like he's got uh, ultra Parkinson's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's like, well, now you're overacting again. What the, you had this like weird moment of competence and then this incompetent thing. For example, this movie begins and ends with Hades. Yes. That yeah. fucker is great. Yeah. I loved every second he was on. You got, you know, they go down to Hades and he's like, yeah, he's quipping all sorts of stuff about, uh, well, I, I don't murder people. I'm, I just lie. That's what I do. <laughs> um, and then you get like the weird 
New York as Wizard of Oz power goes out scene. Oh, that's the actually only real special effect in this movie besides the uh, besides the small bit of pyrotechnics for Zeus's uh, lightning bolt. Oh um, yeah, um, is you have bush. a matte you have a matte painting of the docks and you see the New York New York's Manhattan skyline and then the lights go out and come back on. That is the one single special yeah, and effect. And he kind of dances movie. out of the subway oh, yeah, and causes the lights to go down and then he goes he does this thing with the mobster. If they were recasting it uh, as Pluto. I guess right, which is yeah. the Greek, the they Roman were version. Of, they up go back in the and air, forth. go back in the forth. Whether yeah. they're going to use the Greek or Roman names, and again, that's a movie that doesn't give a shit. Yeah, right. right, right but right. here's the thing about here's the thing about it is that uh, so the the script is written by a woman named Aubrey Weisberg, um, and I don't think she ever did anything else of any significance. But here's the thing: it's it's bad, yes, but the script is full of these f- kind of cutesy pseudo clever plays on words like he's confused hercules is confused at the beginning because everyone keeps asking him to pay for something like the cabbie asked him to pay for something and they're using you know we, you know he says you don't got any dough and the cabbie says cabbie says we if you don't have any bucks on you and he's like bucks doughs what is it with all this zoological talk you know yeah. like there's, yeah. there are clever funny little ways that they weave in the fish out of water stuff into the dialogue that Unfortunately, like Arnold could never ever sell because he just is unable to do that. You know what though? But it worked really well uh, when you get the original dialogue where he's in it because he's uh, where where he's dubbed. The, the Ar- oh, it yeah. just falls flat. It's just like yeah. he says these things and it's like this is supposed to be weird, and then people react to him weird, and none of it makes any sense. Like the only thing he's got when he's dubbed is that he's this big dude, yeah. and he just says these strange things like "No, I'm democratic" or something like that. Right. And but when it when it's actual Arnold's voice, he's clearly translating his thoughts into the language and back and he's he's picking these words that don't make any sense that we, at in this the point context, in time we don't actually know if he's just sounding out the you know phonetically doing his lines I, we and, have no idea and at some point he goes and and that makes the response of the the other cast members because they're they're not they're actually weirdly responding to him because they, they can't act this is genuine um that uh, it makes the fact that he's saying these really strange things a lot more credible. So it seemed like a much more natural scene when yeah. you didn't have it dubbed. I, beyond uh, the fact that you've got, yeah, hey, uh, what's up, Hercules? Uh, I am feeling very well today. <laughs> oh, that's great, Hercules. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Black. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, those little cheap things. And again, the the dubbing is even being really bad to the point that it ruins the movie. And yeah. I think that's the thing is so much of this movie just feels rushed and cheap. Mm-hmm. And the sound is such a big part of it. Yeah. Um, it actually reminds me a little bit of Birdemic when we saw that for Rift Tracks. Yeah. Which is that there are things in a movie, if it's made even a little bit competently, that you just know how to do. And bad movies have it, and it's only when you see a movie that's incompetently made where somebody doesn't know how to make a movie and they don't do this stuff that it becomes apparent because it's just – it's always invisible. And one of them is having an ambient, consistent soundtrack (laughs) under your entire scene. So you don't cut between different shots that were filmed at different times of a conversation where every time the camera's on you, Sam, there's a vacuum cleaner going, and then behind me there's a police siren, and then you can hear the the fish tank behind Casey. And you have to have this consistent sound. Otherwise, there's a... Yeah. And... This movie doesn't have it. In a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of something that, Sam, you and I also have a shared interest in, which is a YouTube channel called Botchamania. Yes, Botchamania. Botchamania is a professional wrestling YouTube channel that collects hideous fuck-ups, both in terms of people botching their lines, screwing up moves, and a lot of it is you realize how hard doing something actually is when you see a bunch of people doing it badly. Right. And with this case, in Hercules in New York, it's filmmaking. Yeah. That you don't really appreciate all of the work that comes in from a lot of different people that goes into making a movie that make it a scene look interesting. It's not just about what's happening on screen, it's also how you shoot it, it's how it sounds, it's can I have a shot that's actually in focus the entire time? Right. Those little things like that, when they don't work, everything comes crashing down. It's the instructive quality of failure. It is. Hmm. It yeah. is so illuminating. I mean, I think we shouldn't overlook the fact that this is a New York movie. And uh, even if you go to film school in New York now, the sort of the the rodeo of New York filmmaking is always guerrilla filmmaking. 
Like yeah. it, it always is, and clearly they probably did not have permits to be filming in <laughs> in Central Park. So it's these guys who, and maybe they closed down the street when the chariot, when Arnold was riding the chariot down Times Square. Perhaps they paid that money and they paid the police officers. But no, these people are setting up in Central Park and working for daylight in daylight hours and trying to get you know seven or eight shots done for the for the whole day. Um, and it's not done very competently, and most of the uh, most of the uh, scenes where you have um, like boom audio, where it's actually production audio on the right. set, mm-hmm. you can hear the crank of the camera running, like yeah. in the back. Like it's clear that they were just sort of like maybe they were even editing in the camera, like got that? Okay, let's move on. It's you know? weird that the actual produced audio is so much worse than the uh, than the other audio they got with Arnold's dialogue in it, mm. because not only can you hear the 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 the, uh, the film engines uh, motors uh, in it but there's also this this and I, I checked it and it is on the DVD maybe maybe an artifact of the DVD but there's like this like 18 kilohertz whine <laughs> anytime like generally not during Arnold's uh, when Arnold's talking but when somebody else is like this is incredible whine that was basically Becky repellent <laughs> uh, where I could hear it but I'm like yeah okay that's annoying but Becky was like that's the worst thing ever and it's like I almost had to notch it like actually like try to filter that audio out myself so that we could watch it because the reason i wanted to watch it with uh with both with and without the dubbing specifically with becky because i was asking her about this you you asked did he actually know english at the time Mm -hmm. and her verdict is he knew how english worked it was a machine that he could operate Mm -hmm. but he wasn't he was actually thinking of what he was supposed to be saying in german and like translating it in his head he wasn't thinking in english yet that makes sense. Um, and that that was her verdict on that. You know, he's he's not quite like moving his lips when other people are talking. He's not quite like that level. Yeah. But he's <laughs> he's very, very far away from Laurence Olivier. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Does that actually help this movie a little bit with the fish out of water thing? Is this one of those instances where somebody is accidentally making the movie better? Right. Um, because it, it does. And I guess like you were saying, Sam, is when you have the scenes with the dubbing, it doesn't feel as otherworldly as he should. Right. That he really feels out of place when it's this weird foreign guy who's trying to interact with this world that he doesn't understand and doesn't understand him when he literally doesn't understand this world <laughs> and it doesn't understand him. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, he acted really well in this movie, but uh, I think in, in that respect, but again, not acting. He yeah. literally had, I don't think he had any idea what was going on. I mean, I was watching the movie. I was familiar with the plot. I mean, I I read the I read the uh, the piece of the I have his autobiography and I read the piece that was a single page that was about this movie. And it's like 450 page autobiography. This warrants like less than a single page. And they gave him a voice coach and an acting coach for a little less than two weeks before um, they started filming because he was doing this in between bodybuilding competitions, yeah. essentially. So he was prepped. I mean, but as in so far as a guy who just never had never done it before and wasn't prepared, that's kind of why. Like it obviously took him another ten years before you start to see things where you're like, oh yeah, he looks like he's somewhat comfortable in his skin. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think we haven't really gotten full Arnold yet. That this, of course, no. no. He, is, he doesn't know who where, who he is in at this point. No, the movie producers don't know who he is. He wasn't yeah. even billed as Arnold Schwarzenegger right. in this movie. He was Arnold Strong, and then in quotations, Mister Olympia. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he had wasn't yet that, which guy. apparently was a joke because then they could build it build it as Arnold uh, Stang and Arnold Strong. Yeah. Yes, and yes. Uh, which I thought, well, that's. That's clever. <laughs> that then it could be kind of that yeah. the twin sort of thing. Like yeah. we're the same, but we're absolutely opposite. And I guess I'm the again. Arnold Stang is the, easily the best thing about this movie because he really carries. I it. was expecting to hate him. Like the minute he started talking, it's like, oh, I'm going to want to murder this guy in about five minutes. And he complete. And he, no, it never goes that way. He could have easily been the Jar Jar Binks of this movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But he ends up kind of. If this movie has a heart, it's him. Yeah. Well, he's definitely the vanguard of morality in this. You know, he's like, you don't talk to dames like that. He's just so, <laughs> so he's so concerned about the social faux pas of Hercules because Hercules is just like thundering through every scene, like imposing himself and not giving a shit about what people think. You don't talk to a dame like that. Hey, Herc. You so, know, he's like he's always wanting to take he's always wanting to take him down a notch. You know, he's trying to pull Hercules down. A so notch. for a movie about professional wrestling in New York in the in the late 60s, everybody in this movie is really nice. I yeah. was expecting. I, I mean, even the mobsters are kind of like, uh, 
you know, we might we'll, we'll, we'll imply that we'll be up, but we we're they're not going to like guys get and dolls type mobsters. Yeah, they really are. They're, we're not did talking you catch, like Mario Puzo types. Did you catch what their names were? No, Fat Lips and Nitro. <laughs> Fat Lips and Nitro was American a tag team. Gladi- Gladiators. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> Where do you get the nickname Fat Lips? <laughs> I, I have some them, ideas. <laughs> you dish them out, or maybe he's just allergic to peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, oh crap! Yeah, stung by a bee on the lip once. It was not fun. Um... <laughs> Uh, and I kept seeing so uh, Mercury or mm-hmm. what's his not Nike Nike right yep. they, like you said they go back and forth yep. uh, I kept thinking of him as Wilson from House yeah. I don't know why yeah, yeah. Okay, he has that him. vibe about him yeah. and what's so weird about this movie too is again getting back to Arnold Stang is there's this scene despite him being the sort of the guy who's trying to hold Herc back and say no Herc you gotta, you gotta fit in when they get into that professor's house and he starts using that antler ornament as like a it's back, back scratcher <laughs> and then he's really tearing the shit out of that book he's flipping through and I'm yeah. like you should probably go maybe it's just me I've worked at a bookstore of, of different kinds for like 15 years of my life and I'm like you gotta don't turn pages like they're tearing the shit out of this thing. It's not yours. And then he steals it. Yeah, yeah, totally just steals it. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it, the, at the beginning you get the sense that Pretzi might be homeless, <laughs> but you see he does have an apartment at the end. But still, was that the apartment? Was that his apartment, or was that their hotel? No, room? that was, was never the, really. That certain. was it, it. was really weird. It's definitely his apartment. Okay. At the, in the end, I'd believe if he was a squatter. He, he could yeah. very well be a squatter. That Grundig radio he had was really nice. Yeah, that's a did, nice radio. So, did he just end up leaving those pretzels at the beginning in the back of that cab? I think so. Oh man, that was his livelihood well, right the, there the too. The cab was upside that, down. Are you gonna <laughs> dig into it? Oh yeah, I need these. these. That basket was the only thing that he possessed besides the clothes on his back. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally gonna dig these pretzels out that are now covered in in 25 years of cabby carpet leavings. <laughs> they only have to be good enough to sell on the docks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, you're not in like some downtown fancy eatery here. Yeah, you just gotta have some scary looking guy who's probably gonna knife you in an alley. It's just gotta be good enough for him he's like yeah brush it off it's perfectly good (laughs) (laughs) yeah the new york the new york accent thing is definitely real here there's they clearly either chose guys that were like friends of the production or aspiring new york actors because there's a lot of them and they kind of it kind of is authentic in square in scare quotes in that respect so my favorite line in the movie is Yo, Hercules, come back here! <laughs> that, that, to me, exemplifies the entire movie. So, did, was anyone else kind of embarrassed watching this? Yeah. Yeah. I was alone and I felt embarrassed. It, yeah. it, it was the same kind of embarrassment you have when you're, like, watching something you probably shouldn't have. Maybe it just that it felt a lot like watching a porno without any porno in it. Yes! Oh, yeah, there was, especially when Mercury is, is uh, on Earth and he came to his hotel room. And in the middle of their conversation... Uh, Hercules just says, I have to go take a shower. Yeah. And I'm like, there is a gay sex scene <laughs> missing from this spot <laughs> right here. Yes. There's all of these weirdly attractive, muscular people in states of undress. There is an absurd premise about, oh, Hercules comes to New York in the present day. Well, I didn't feel dirty about watching this movie, but you're slowly convincing <laughs> me that I should have felt dirty watching it's this movie. It's kind of shot like a porno of its time. Yeah, I suppose. It's yeah. That was the thing that kind of felt weird about it. Is I. It was one of those things like I'm. I'm watching this alone, but there's that thing in the back of my head of, I don't know what kind of conversation I would have with somebody if they walked in on me watching this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's for a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm working now. I mean, <laughs> you know the amazing shit that that I have to watch for you know the stuff that that I do just. For asking atheists, let alone the eighteen fucking hours of Zack Snyder you've made me watch. So now I've got no shame. Becky walks in. What the hell are you watching? It's for work. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, I just. I, it might be. I think you know. The porno. Yes, I can see that. It to me it looks more like a trauma movie. Yeah. You know, like a movie that's clearly uh, trauma would have better fight choreography. Trauma would have effects. Be- trauma yeah. would have better fight choreography. But trauma is always doing the thing where. The, where they're going to be like, this is shoestring, this is ridiculous, and we don't care how absurd and lame it, it actually is. Um, the man in the bear suit in the Central Park <laughs> makes me believe that it's like a fucking trauma movie. That's just the stupidest, like that Benny Hill style, like, they're cranking the camera a little so it runs a little faster. Like, it's just so awful. Well, just the way that the whole, so awful. before we 
we even get into uh, what Becky called the dog suit that the bear clearly <laughs> the was? Suit. I mean, you've got this. The, like I talked, it looks like this. This. Uh, this is the instructive quality of a failure. Is you have this this dating scene where they're uh, on on a horse carriage in Central Park. Then they cut to and it's daytime. Then they cut to nighttime inside of a. Uh, oh, that, a dusk at a, at a zoo. Yeah. Then night on a fixed set. Yeah. Back to back to daylight at the dating. You know, so on the date it's, scene. It's, they were trying to do day for night there because they were obviously having. Isn't to film there something it. you like? You expose the film differently, or you filter it, or they didn't you, do any of that. You uh, you either expose it differently, or you have it processed differently. And they did try to do it, but yes, it, it's so completely obvious that they filmed it in the daytime, and that's why it looks like oh, this is in the daytime, and they just kind of fucked up on the just for fun. What should I check for? to see if they actually tried processing it in this case. I have no idea. Okay. No idea. Usually everything is blue. That's how you <laughs> can tell But it's not blue. It's not. Yeah. Because that costs some money, I think. Right. So they went on this this, this uh, three-day date that doesn't go anywhere because clearly, you know, okay, one, her name is Helen. Like, she mm-hmm. introduces, hey, Helen, and I'm like, oh, I see where this is going, yeah. Helen of Troy, blah, yeah. blah. No, it never goes anywhere. Yeah. No. It's another implication that might lead to a plot point that never does. Then they go on this one date. He's like, I'm going to stay here 100 years. Ha, ha, ha. Do they have a relationship? No, they don't. Because the very, like, three scenes later, she's back with uh, collegiate yuts. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and they're like, ha, ha, ha. Isn't this great that he, you know, totally tried to, like, steal you from me or something? It's yeah, like, the, everyone loves him, even, yeah. even though that he was tr- clearly trying to, you know. Yeah, the only meaningful relationship in this whole movie is Hercules and Pretzi. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's the only relationship we're thinking about. All the heavy lifting's done by Pretzi, ironically enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Pretzi kind of is the only thing that kind of keeps this thing going, because I really think that, like you said, it's a movie that has plot points that all happen off camera. Yeah. Because that costs money, and that's hard to do. Yeah. And we talk about them briefly, where it takes out all the stuff that would make you want to see a movie with this premise starring this actor. Yeah. I want to see him have to be a professional wrestler. I was looking forward to the professional, because it mentions pro- professional in the synopsis, mentions professional wrestling pretty prominently. And then the mobsters fall out of the plot, and I'm like, I want to see Arnold no, no, Schwarzenegger no. fight mobsters. I, so is the first guy with the carnation, is he supposed to be a mobster, or is he just like a really crooked wrestling promoter? He's a you really know, crooked wrestling promoter who then probably gets waylaid by the mobsters to then horn in on. Well, his, you don't know action. because you have one scene where he's like, trying to like, sign. Is it the guy that cigarette that says wrestling's a lucrative business? Yeah, so, that guy. That guy. Yes. So that guy, and then the yes. and then you're like, okay, so you have a contract where you're a wrestler now. Now you have a scene where he wrestles and does well. And now, because I read the synopsis, the mob angles in on that. But no, you have one scene with a professional wrestler, cut. Next scene, same room, same lighting, different guys, cutting a different contract. No wrestling occurs. Yeah, you just assume that he's good because he's huge. Right. No, like, no, no, that's no. the well, one special effect they can afford is Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> you, don't, you don't just assume it because you see it on the front page of fictional newspapers. That's how you know that he's a good wrestler. <laughs> Did good wrestlers make front page news? I, I or is it just know. a slow news week? I, no, because yeah. I guess Paul Kiersey wasn't killing people that week. <laughs> hey, put it right next to new petitions against tax. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so much of this movie, even when they finally have a moment that you would want to see, like him riding a chariot, yeah. it's so badly filmed that it almost makes it boring again. We haven't talked about the uh, showing him showing up the college athletes thing, where you've got people with Disci, discuses, discus, discuses, um, discuses. <laughs> discuses. Uh, you've got guys with javelins. You've got people doing high jump, and you never see any of this. You don't see uh, the collegiate guys throwing this stuff, and you don't see Hercules doing this either. They, they, he gets, you know, takes off his shirt because it's Arnold. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that thing with his pecs because Arnold, and then picks up the discus, and then you see him throw it, and then it, uh, you, what it looks like he's going to throw it, and then it cuts to a post. Mm-hmm. Somewhere is it ten feet away? Is it fifty feet away? Is it yeah. five miles away? Where the hell is it? It's just a post. There's no yeah. sense of scale. Every, to it. Everything has to be done right up close in close one shots, and there's no geography because they cannot like they can't visually sell the special effects that they're trying but to do. But you can make a bunch of character actors like yeah. move their heads like they're watching this arc of a discus that goes on forever. Right. And then the high jump scene where it looks like 
uh, or the, no, the long jump scene. Yeah. It looks like they're you can't ever really get resolve the entire field, but it looks like they're having all this practice on a baseball diamond. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of it, it looks like he leaps from. Uh, he does a long jump from second base to maybe two thirds of the way to, to to first base. That's not a particularly long jump, and that's yeah. not that's. I mean, it is for me. I, I yeah, but can't jump. with the reaction shot, his hang time is like seven seconds. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, there's actually several lines of dialogue between <laughs> launch and 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 land, and but. It, it ends up being like 25 feet. I mean, okay, long distance, but not as it's portrayed in the film. Yeah, they never quite make him feel that strong because you have nobody who is willing and trained to be able to react to him in the way that you want them to. Right. Because, I mean, even Arnold doesn't have to be that accomplished a stage fighter. You just have to have a bunch of people around him. Maybe 10 guys, and with most of these guys... They're mostly like dock workers or mobsters or just guys on the street, and you can swap their clothing around, slap a fake mustache on them, and I don't think we w- we would get angry at it. And you could get at least five to ten guys who know how to do this and make him look really good. Did you notice that there was like some sort of weird parthenogenesis thing going on with the mobsters as the movie would go on? It started out as three, then there were four, then there were five, <laughs> then there were ten, <laughs> then there were like twenty-five, and they just and there's no explanation. Like literally. There's a scene where it's panned on the on the on the four uh, mobsters, or where it's where it's it's focused on the four mobsters that you know are part of the plot, and they go, well, then we have to run after Hercules, and then they all run, and then off screen comes another mobster. You're <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> no, that's now okay. There were three, now there are four, now there are five. That's twice that's happened now. Are you budding? <laughs> <laughs> They just have a bench. There's just a bench somewhere where they got to call. Yeah, the, is there mobular the mitosis happening here? What the fuck is happening? Yeah, it's just it's awful. I mean, <laughs> to say nothing of of perhaps my my favorite what? Uh, where where they're back in Central Park and uh, Mercury says, "Hey, don't you know uh, don't you know Atlas and Samson?" And he goes, "Yeah," and and no introduction, and and they cut back to the fight because it's the fight that's the apex of the movie. The warehouse. Everything's made out of cardboard. Everything's yeah. made out of cardboard. Giant cardboard columns. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they never effectively sell how strong he is. In fact, when he has his powers taken away from him by a nefarious plot between Juno and Nemesis, yeah. um, the extent of the, fa- the the failure of him to being just a regular strong guy in Hercules is a difference of like 250 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the weightlifting competition on TV, which was the smallest TV studio ever, <laughs> by the way. It's smaller than this studio. Um, it's like he goes 750, he's like, I make it. He tries to go to 1,000, and then he loses. And you're like, yeah. he's still strong, right? Yeah. You know, and, you ne- and you never get it. There's never a good payoff for like him punching something into orbit, which is kind of what you really need. You need something. That's what you need with the discus. If you're not going to build up thing, you need to basically see that thing land on yeah, the moon. Yeah, have him take out a window in the Chrysler building yeah, if you yeah. want to get really New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah have some guy at some business Wait, meeting going, that concludes our that. business meeting. And suddenly, <laughs> through the window, they're like, oh! Yeah. And they can act as absurd as they want to yeah. fit in the tone of the movie. Have it clock that old lady from the plane scene in the head. Now there's comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we got to talk about what I think is the best joke payoff of the entire movie. It's the overzealous hot dog vendor. <laughs> so, oh, shit. so it it there's this, the the, the no s- that was the one where I that where that scene find the culmination of that scene is the is the moment where I go. What the hell am I watching? <laughs> so it's the uh, he gets an, on a, on a chariot. He steals a chariot from a guy who's like like a Disneyland entertainer guy. Why? And, and, and the guy stopped to get a hot dog. He's negotiating with the hot dog vendor to get his toppings. Arnold Schwarzenegger jumps on with Pretzi, and they take off down the road. Mobsters are following them in a station wagon. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's this whole scene, and it takes you know it takes five or six minutes to resolve itself. They end up in Central Park. The chariot like loses a wheel and crashes. Um, and then at the very end, uh, the uh, the entire time, the old chariot driver and the hot dog vendor have been chasing them down the road the whole time. And at the very end, he, the, the hot dog vendor says, "You forgot your sauerkraut." And it ends with a close up shot of him taking his little fork and sliding the sauerkraut onto this guy's lovingly hot dog. applying the kraut <laughs> to the dog. <laughs> and there's like a like a slide with this like a. <laughs> and then the next scene is a train coming out of a tunnel because because that's like I'm like look it's like what is this all right this is clearly a euphemism for something what is it a euphemism for <laughs> this is this is clearly symbolic of a thing and I yeah 
Yeah, God, yeah. It's weird, and you know it's not going to go there. <laughs> no. So you kind of wonder if the filmmakers know that they're doing it, because it's like, well, they don't know how to do all this other stuff. How do I know this didn't go over their head, too? But Well, that's what I said when you get to the final final scene, where you you know, you know go back to Pretzi's squatted apartment with the nice Grundig, and, uh, <laughs> and, and he's just so broke. He, it's like the only, it's the most emotional scene in, in, in the film. And he's like, like acting like he's like seriously broken up. It's like, oh, yeah. he's yeah. he's acting like he is going to drink himself to death. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, like that's how that's how sad his life is. I mean, oh fuck, they establish at one point in time that um, when Mercury comes to visit and when he leaves to go back to Olympus, he like flies out the window like Superman. Prince yeah. sees it and freaks out. Uh, goes to the professor's house because he's like on the verge of a breakdown and he admits to drinking an entire fifth of Johnny Walker. <laughs> and he's, you know, a Prezi can't be more than like 110 pounds. Right. Wet, you know. Yeah. So he can, that motherfucker can put liquor away. <laughs> he's like about a third liquor at that point. Yes. Yeah. He's running around, he's sloshing. Yes. Yeah. And he's ambulating and saying words. <laughs> that guy's got a, that guy's like 80% liver. Yes. I mean, it's, uh, that's his superpower. <laughs> and it was a bottle of Johnny Walker Red, wasn't it? Yes, it, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, I bet you they didn't pay to be in that movie. No. <laughs> well, I bet no. you they would have paid to not be in that movie. <laughs> no. There are, there, are, uh, there are more than a few uh, insert shots of of stock footage. And one of them, of course, is, is, the, is a commercial for Pan Am Airlines, mm-hmm. okay. which, you see t- which you see twice. I think it's and exactly the same And they did credit Pan Am in the opening and credits. And they did credit Pan Am and in the And when they look off the top of the Empire State Building or at the end of the movie. I'm sure that's theirs. They've got a couple of sh- New York shots like at the beginning of like the Statue of Liberty, which mm-hmm. could have been from the Staten Island Ferry. I don't know. Or they could have just been from uh, stock footage. No, but no, I, think, but I mean that sure. shot where Pretzi's looking out onto the city, the yeah. Pan Am building is right there. Oh, oh, I, I did catch that yeah i didn't catch that at all so it was a lot of things where i started it, i guess it's the building the plane footage i was just like they stole it from a commercial i would have been <laughs> i've been happy to write it off there but that with the combination of the building i'm like okay they hmm. agreed to be in this movie that, just, oh, yeah. that may just be happenstance considering at that time any any sufficiently uh notable new york skyline shot would have included the pan am building so while we're talking about that sort of thing the again the best parts of this movie uh are the parts where hades shows up where Satan yeah. shows up, and as somebody who has played Satan before, that guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he was, just, oh, yeah. Also in a movie too. Also in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I think this movie. Yeah, I'm not going to say that. Uh, but so you get the, like the weird Emerald City. It's clear. It it is that supposed to be the New York skyline? I sort of wonder if they got that shot from some other movie or from some sort of. Oh, I don't know, but it's but it's definitely a matte painting shot where yeah. they had some kind of effects where they. Have you know the, the lights of the skyscraper towers go on and off? Yeah, uh, looking from a dock. But yeah, like I said, I think it's the the single special effect that's actually extant in the movie. Um, and uh, I was thinking the other special effect too is an insert shot of lightning that happens a couple times at the end. It's black and white. Yes, it yes. is. And I, it looks like it comes from a Warner Brothers cartoon. It's definitely stock footage. <laughs> yes. And that's why it's night in those shots of the lightning <laughs> right, coming right, down as well. Right. It's kind of hard to get a good shot of lightning during the well, daytime. Well, what effects would you do with a rebar lightning bolt <laughs> to make that work? <laughs> oh, my God. that oh. That's the thing with the Mount Olympus shots that they have with all the lightning bolts. Filming in Central Park. But filming during the fall time, so I don't want to look at any part of Mount Olympus and see trees without leaves on them. <laughs> it kind of kills the magic just a little bit. Can we film that during the spring? You mean, you be- mean the, the fracturing and mossy uh, concrete that was uh, that was the f- throne room of of the leader of the gods? Wasn't gonna totally taking you out of that scene? Seriously, that is so not Mount Olympus. It looks like the sort of location that like Raphael and Casey Jones would fight ninjas in. Right. Yeah. Problem one. It looks about forty years old. Nobody taking no nobody can, taking care of it. Like clearly, this is this is a a New York move, movie at the time where New York is kind of run down. Mm-hmm. To not a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> yes, so not, not a mountain. Yes, there's very little elevation. No, yes. oh, yeah. also a lot of traffic sounds in the background too. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs barking. Beep, beep. Yeah. And, and we were so lucky not to hear car horns. <laughs> <laughs> Think about how much they had to probably film to avoid car horns. Because I know that if it happened, they'd have no a, way. Just to get a jogger that. walk onto the set. <laughs> oh hey. my god! I bet you it happened. They're like, please, if you have to jog through, can you wear this toga? Do you know what really breaks my heart about this movie? Uh, uh, is I so I had not seen this movie 
until we took on this for podcast La Vista Baby as our as our next episode. Um, what's heartbreaking is so reading of what I know about Arnold. So Arnold, poor kid from rural Austria who uh, like got a fascination with being bodybuilders. Reg Park, who is an um, I think he was an American, I think or mm-hmm. British uh, bodybuilder, became also was Hercules a move in a Hercules movie, and that was sort of his pinnacle of success of being a bodybuilder and transitioning to uh, into movies. He had a picture of Arnold. Arnold had a picture of Reg Park as Hercules on his wall in his room when he was a kid, and so this is like literally him fulfilling his his childhood dream. And what a nightmare of a dream it became, oh you know? Like twenty two years old, and he'd already like won like four or five consecutive yeah. bodybuilding competitions, and it, it's the most for, it's the most forgettable. Uh, part of his catalog, for sure. Nobody ever talks about it. I mean, I think people talk about this movie in the sense that it's kind of weird that it exists. Yeah. But I think this is begging the first of our final two questions. Uh. Is Hercules in New York a good movie? Mm, no. I mean, it's a bad... It's it's a it's a terrible movie. It's a terribly produced movie. Um I think the part the part that's the worst that's the most cringeworthy to me is that um whether because of budget whether because of incompetence it cannot handle transitions well like you really don't get a sense of time passes between one scene to another you know there are a couple of dissolves and wipes in it and those are nice to help along with it <laughs> but just because of how cheap it is um it doesn't it doesn't flow very well there clearly was great intent by how it was written it doesn't flow very well and you know, Arnold, unfortunately, should be the shining star of the film because his name is in lights at the top of the movie. Um, and unfortunately, he is almost he's almost part of the background in this movie, almost totally missing from it. So my answer to this, I think, by definition, has to be a little bit more complex given, is it a good movie? Of course not. It's terrible. But it, uh, would I would I suggest, is it a good, bad movie? Mm-hmm. I say it is. It's got everything, the kind of bad movies that I love going on with it. There's, there's moments, there's these little moments of brilliance that are, uh, little pieces of fruit in this jello of failure. (laughs) And, uh, and it's, it's, you know, all those weird day for night shots, uh, acting that makes absolutely no sense or acting that is credible. I do you remember that scene? Where, you know, no. I had to go back three times. Did he say credit? Did he call Hercules credible? <laughs> he's credible. The, he's the credible Hulk. He's the credible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, it it's amazing. And uh, is this really? And well, I guess that's the other question. Mm-hmm. Is this movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger? Or is he just in it as the main? Is he just the? Is he the plot, and the actual star is is uh, Arnold Stang? I think this the latter is the yeah. case. And for me, I answered the question also saying no. And I really lean against even calling it a fun, bad movie. I had to watch this movie in shifts. <laughs> I, I could not watch it. Maybe because you had company, Sam. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to weather this thing alone. I had to watch it in three uh, increments of probably about 30 to 40 minutes apiece. Because it was hard. It mm. was hard. It felt like that root canal that I had to go back like three times to finish. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Where I'm like, you know what? I got to do this. It's necessary. Let's get this shit going. I just gave myself <laughs> sort of pumped up to just weather something. Honestly, it was, for me, it was worth watching it because of the, the scenes with Hades. I, I just, hmm. you know, he came out, he did the little dance out for the subway where the lights go down, mm-hmm. and then he goes out and he gives the five grand to the mobster. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, how am I going to find you if I got to pay you back? He's like, don't worry. I'll see you later. <laughs> and then he gets out of and he gets out of there and the lights go back up and he goes back in the subway and I go, and now I'm never gonna see him again. Yeah. And that's and, that's how the movie fails. Is it yeah. doesn't know the things that it has that actually are good. Yeah. And it focuses too much on the things that are bad. And for me it was it takes things that should be fun and either puts them out of the movie or films them badly. Hercules riding a chariot through Central Park. Should be amazing. He's being chased by mobsters in a station wagon. In <laughs> a station wagon. Yeah. And there should be an incredible action sequence. And again, it, I think the movie's fault is, one, it's not seedy enough. 
Right. Yeah. And it's not stupid enough. It's stupid. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's not stupid enough. Stupid enough would be we get to see that discus hit the Statue of Liberty. It has to go through an office wing. Or if it lands on the moon and hits an astronaut. Yeah. That would have been would fucking have been incredible. Yeah. yeah, this movie, the the worst part of this movie, I think, and the reason I, I the reason I might even say it's not worth watching is the end. Where okay, you know you know this particular equation in movies. He's a demigod. His powers are taken away. If you've seen a Hercules movie before, you know how this goes. His powers are taken away. Zeus goes, eh, sorry, gives it back, and then you get that triumphal Hercules in full demigod mode, just tearing shit up. And he gets he gets his uh, powers back. There's four seconds of him pushing over a concrete tube, and that's it. Yeah. And the next scene is is I, I think the very next scene is Zeus deciding to become a Hasidic rabbi. Yes, yeah. beaming down to earth as a Hasidic Jew. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It, 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 and it's it's just that that one thing that could have taken this movie into good bad for more people mm-hmm. is just completely removed not because of lack of effects because the kind of effects they were doing they could have pulled that off they mm-hmm. could have had him they he could have had a, a, a fight where they do in the standard hercules movie where he just pushes people around and oh my god he's pushing 800 people around and okay you have some sort of triumph there nothing he pushes over a model rocket i mean yeah. th- this is what yeah. we're talking about yeah. That's the part that is frustrating because I see what this movie could have been if you had doubled its budget. I mean, its budget is nothing, but but nothing times two is still a little bit more where you can afford things like let's have that moon set. The disc gets hits like Neil Armstrong is like, and has I, I I I submit that they could have done that even with the budget they had. That this movie was schizophrenic and it's schizophrenia. Is what hurt it, not its budget. I, 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 you know, when we had our so bad, our, so bad it's good uh, discussion on Radio versus the Martians, which Sam did a heroic job on for such a ridiculous <laughs> topic. Uh, you know, I, I said that the that what makes a a movie so bad it's good really is its heart. And the problem is here is I just I don't think this gives a hundred percent heart. You know, I feel like it's we getting a weekly we're getting a weekly wage to do this movie, um, and it's not quite it's not quite it doesn't quite believe in it. You know what I mean? The filmmakers yeah. don't quite believe in it. I kind of wonder if this is a failure of directing because if I go hmm. back to the scene with Pretzi and the money, where Pretzi's acting like a human being, and then he ha- he picks up the alcohol and suddenly it's it's uh, Abbott and Costello go stupid, <laughs> and uh, that's my favorite one. <laughs> And I kind of wonder if 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 the actor was like, well, this is what I'm going to act. I'm, I'm, this is money I don't want. And then the actor is in back going, no, more dumb. No, act the fuck out of this. And I kind of wonder, I, I do wonder if the, the, the sort of the schizophrenic nature of the acting in the movie is a failure of directing. Mm, because, I mean. Very probably. We saw it's Superman 3 where he fights him on the moon, right? Oh, that's Superman four. That's Superman four. That well, had a budget of about, man. yeah, eighteen cents. I mean, they could have done a moon scene. Yeah. Moon scenes make everything better, yeah. especially when it just it adds a level of absurdity. And I needed this movie to be far more absurd. I mean, yes. the nineteen eighty three Hercules movie that Canon Films did with Lou Ferrigno has him throwing a bear into outer space. <laughs> the bear looks terrible. The, the 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 space shot looks pretty terrible, yeah. but it's a kind of terrible that you want. It's just like, holy shit, they just did that. And I need <laughs> movies to have moments like that to fit into the so bad it's good. I mean, just like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And this one he just beats. It literally, did, it's, you know, call, what is it? Not Amnesty International, the one about uh, <laughs> animals. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the... P- like PETA or the Peta, ASPCA. Yeah. But the thing is, he just beats it to death with his hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beat him up! <laughs> what we really needed in that scene is we need guy in bear suit, transition shot, empty bear suit getting thrown on a crane. <laughs> yes, yes. We need something where the bear gets thrown and then you have the guy in a suit stuck in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has to be stupid. Or he pitches him back into the bear cage from where he's standing. Yeah. yeah. Nice reverse shot. Yeah, so we we know that it's not a good movie, but then the next question is, is it a good Arnold movie? God, no. <laughs> it's not. It wastes a lot of the things that make Arnold special. Yeah. And occasionally some of those things get out despite its best efforts because this movie doesn't want Arnold because Arnold Schwarzenegger as a movie presence did not exist when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. And... 
they clearly just wanted a interchangeable muscle man. I mean, that's why they call him Arnold Strong. They don't want him to have his accent. They don't want him to have any of the things that made him a box office star later, his accent being one of them. I mean, that's why they dub over him with the most boring voice ever. Mm-hmm. And I guess, what would this movie have been? This is the part that frustrates me the most. What would this movie have been if it had been made in 1986? Yeah. Starring that Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Starring a seedy, kind of crazy, pre-Giuliani version of New York. (laughs) (laughs) Involving, like, street toughs that you'd see straight out of the Warriors. Hookers. Hookers. I mean, that's the kind of world you want to see the fish out of water respond to. Yeah. Because he probably wouldn't be put off by people wearing almost nothing, because he wears almost nothing. Yeah. And show the professional wrestling. Show him fight some crazy-ass luchador. And... Show him do some crazy stuff. I want to see him throw a bear into outer space or the equivalent. I want to see this movie get far stupider. I want to see him look right at the camera and knock off some Arnold catchphrases because this movie doesn't quite know yet. Arnold doesn't quite know yet what the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie experience is yet. It doesn't give me the quality we call absurd macho bullshit. It doesn't give me... The sense of, I mean, it's an absurd premise, but it's not absurd enough. And it doesn't mm-hmm. steer into the things that are Arnold's strengths. And I just, what I hate about it is it's so, there's so many things about this movie that are forgettable and unwatchable when it shouldn't be, mm-hmm. given the pieces that are there. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. It's it's barely an Arnold movie because Arnold is so, not just the name change, but he's so buried in this movie. And they probably did it purely out of, like, just desperation because they couldn't rely on his ability to create a character and act in that character. Um, you know, uh, if they had if they had followed through with the, there was a, a point in time where it could have been that Arnold movie. Arnold is on the date with uh, with Helen. They stop by a, a movie and he sees a movie poster for a non-existent Hercules movie. It's all, it's an in-universe movie. It's Hercules against the monster and it's clearly Godzilla on there. If they would have if they would have ratcheted it up to that level. If it if it had taken the of, oh, in this universe it's Godzilla versus the monsters and then they add some giant like crazy over like Toho style like uh Hercules like battle. Um then it would have been on the level of absurd macho bullshit, but it can never it can't get off the ground. So, yeah, obviously not a, not not part of the Arnold canon. I disagree completely with both of you. Please, Ugh. please. Yeah, I, I think hear. it's an absolutely essential movie that if you're an Arnold fan, you probably should watch and should know. Um, because you are absolutely right, but I think you're putting uh, the, the, the cart before the, the horse here, or the sauerkraut, as it were, <laughs> um, in that um, there is no absurd macho bullshit because he's not Arnold yet. There is no... Um, there is no quipping or or none of that sort of semi witty action stuff because he doesn't know how to do that. Yet. This is this is embryonic Arnold. This is Arnold before he was Arnold. This Embry is Arnold. Embryonic. <laughs> yeah. Um, he sucks in this movie. He's terrible in this movie. Um, the the fight choreography is is among the worst I have ever seen. And I'm a big Ed Wood fan. Yeah. Put that in perspective. Um. And so what you end up with is coming out of this, I, I, I was one of those people who, you know, I love the movies that he was in, but I thought he managed to get in those movies and look as good as he did because of his name and the fact that he has big muscles and he can, he could be inserted into any of those, into any of those plots. Mm. I didn't think he was that good of an actor. I had no, I did not have the appreciation for the guy that you clearly do. I just thought he was kind of a jokey, kind of weird, um... And, and and didn't like him very much. But now that I've seen a 22-year-old, this guy, try to do fight choreography, I had a much greater appreciation for just actually how smart he was in the movies that he did. The, 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 effort, that he, the effort that he clearly has gone through to go from generic muscle guy to the person for action movies in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Mm. Um, and and I think that that speaks well of him and I hate to say, but and, and his craft in acting is like yeah. this is clearly he he clearly gave a fuck about what he was doing. And I mean, I don't think this is his worst film. I've seen The Sixth Day. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, That's a stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I think that 
this is the, given that this is the nadir of of Arnold and by his own admission he you know he makes jokes about uh during during when the US was known for torturing people he said you shouldn't waterboard people you should show them Hercules in New York they'll crack immediately <laughs> he he was saying stuff like that about this stuff and i think by having this very clear counterpoint to what he could have been if he didn't care mm-hmm. it makes the high points of his career shine that much brighter hmm. i i think that's an excellent well said. point well definitely said. So uh, I think that's about all the time we have, and that's a great place for us to leave it. Yes, and I'm glad to leave it behind. (laughs) I am too. But uh, maybe that is the point that this movie can have for you as an Arnold fan or even just Arnold curious. (laughs) Is uh, Like Bretzy. It it really can be his botchamania reel. This could be the thing that you compare other Arnold that you know to and go, holy shit, he's got a lot better. Yeah. So with that... Mr. Sam Mulvey, thank you, sir, again for joining us. Hey, no problem. Um, we know you're part of the Ask an Atheist radio show. Where do people go if they want to find out more about Sam Mulvey, more about Ask an Atheist, and all the projects you're working on? Well, askanatheist.tv is the best place to go. We air every Sunday on KKNW up in Seattle. That's 11.50 a.m. Uh, a lot different than what I'm talking about here. I'll just put that out there. We're still talking about the gods. Well, we are. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there isn't enough Zeus in my show. I think I may need to. I might need to fix that. I was going to write a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Thank we'll you. see you guys in a couple months. We are now bi-monthly. Oh, yes. So we're going to have more Arnold... More explosions, a double-barreled, meaty helping of all the absurd (laughs) macho bullshit. And I think you're really going to like the movie we do next. So, yes, yes, this is a big one. So, folks, we'll see you in two months. Okay, bye-bye. Podcast of La Vista Baby is a production of Radio vs. the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in Tacoma, Washington and edited by Mike Gillis. Our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us online at podcastalavistababy.com and radioversusthemartians.com. Who are these men over there? Oh, they're just athletes, training. Athletes? College guys, yeah. Hmm. What do you mean? You think you could do better? What do you mean? These guys happen to be champions. Nobody can beat them. Hey, wait, wait. Where are you going? Over there. What for? To show them how to throw the discos. Oh, no, no, no. You got to stay here. You can't go button in there. They will not like me to instruct them. No, it's just for college guys. No outsiders allowed. I am Hercules.